Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the Bible Lab, the podcast where we explore major themes from every book of the Bible in order to see how each page points us to Jesus, who he is, and what he's done. I'm your host, Andy Wood. Thank you for joining me, friends. This is our fifth of six episodes exploring the book of Acts. Acts is, of course, part two of Luke's two-part masterpiece. Part one is the Gospel of Luke, what Jesus began to do and teach. And part two is the book of Acts, what Jesus, through his Spirit and through his church, is still doing and still teaching. So our fifth theme for consideration today is this. Luke, in Acts, instilled confidence that God's purposes triumphed over all opposition. So Luke tells an honest historical account of the rise and spread of the early church in order to encourage God's people. Because the story of the early church is a story of a church facing a storm, is the story of a church facing opposition from the world, and yet God triumphing through that church. God's purposes and God's people are going to triumph because God has ordained it to be so. They are going to triumph despite suffering. The early church suffers. They are beaten. They are oppressed. They are persecuted. They are scattered. They are even killed, and yet they triumph. They triumph despite opposition. Opposition at every turn from every conceivable source, family, employers, religious leaders, government leaders, opposition from every source, and despite even death, as we see believers lose their life for the cause of Christ. And yet, no matter what happens, God's kingdom is on the move. In fact, it's not just that they triumphed despite suffering and opposition. You might say that they triumphed because of suffering and opposition. Persecution in the early church served as a catalyst for God's purposes. We spoke the other day about how God's people were persecuted, and this persecution, namely the death of Stephen in Acts chapter 7 and the persecution of Saul, who would soon become known as Paul, in Acts chapter 8, led to God's people finally leaving Jerusalem and taking the gospel with them to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I live in Alabama, and you can't throw a rock in Alabama without hitting a fire ant nest. And I have a terrible habit because I don't like these ants because I have been bitten and my children have been bitten. That when I see an ant nest, I want to just kick it over. I just want to ruin their day. I know that's petty and small, but that's kind of who I am. And think about the early church like you would an ant nest. They were all packed together in the city of Jerusalem, though God told them that once they got the Holy Spirit from on high, they were to go out, to spread out, to spread the gospel over the world, and yet they didn't do it. They stayed. And so God allowed a great persecution to break out. And think about what happens when you kick an ant nest. What happens to the ants? They're scattered. They're spread out all over the yard. Well, friends, we're not ants, but the same principle applies for the early church. When suffering and persecution broke out on the early church, when Satan, so to speak, was allowed to kick the nest that was the early Jerusalem church, the result was God's people carrying with them God's word, God's spirit, God's gospel. They spread out all over the ancient Near East and the gospel triumphed. No matter what happens, because God has ordained that our suffering and opposition will lead to his glory and his kingdom's advance, no matter what the world does, we are on the winning side. When we read through the book of Acts, we see all sorts of opposition. We see external opposition. So we see opposition. The early church was made up almost entirely of Jewish believers. We see opposition from the Sanhedrin, from the the Pharisees and the ruling council. 
We see opposition when Paul goes out and he preaches the gospel in the synagogues. We see synagogue leaders in every city that Paul goes to eventually throwing him out. We see opposition from the Roman government. We see opposition from religious leaders uh, besides Jewish religious leaders. We see opposition from every conceivable angle. And yet the more the enemy oppresses the church, the more the gospel spreads. We see not only external opposition, we also see internal opposition. Think of the story of Ananias and Sapphira. In Acts chapter 5, the, the church is growing and going like wildfire. And Ananias and Sapphira lie. They see a man named Barnabas sell his property and give the money to the church. And, and people speak well of Barnabas. And they think, we'd like people to speak well of us. And so they sell some of their property and they hold back some of the money, and they bring a small percentage of that money, and they give it to the church, and they say, here, we too have sold our property and given all that we have. And for this lying, for this trampling on the holiness of God, God puts them to death. Now, I think there's a parallel here in the Old Testament for us. In Leviticus chapter 10, we read about the institution of the Levitical priesthood. God has ordered the, the construction of the tabernacle where he is going to dwell. He's given laws regarding sacrifices and how the priests are to be consecrated to his service. And everything's going great. The glory of God fills the temple, the temple. And then two of Aaron's sons do something inappropriate. We're not exactly told what, but they offer what's called unauthorized fire, and God puts them to death. He puts them to death here at the very beginning of the covenant with Israel to let his people know he means business when it comes to his holiness. And I think in the exact same way, something is happening very similar in the story of Ananias and Sapphira. The glory of God has filled his temple, his end-time temple, which is the church. And things seem to be going well, but here come Ananias and Sapphira, disregarding the holiness of God, and God lets it be known that he will protect the holiness of his people. We also see internal opposition, in the story of the Judaizers. As Paul goes and spreads the gospel, following in his wake are a group of teachers who claim to be followers of Jesus, and yet they come in teaching sort of a two-tier system. Tier one is sort of Christianity 101, people who just have faith in Jesus. But tier two, the elite, the, the best of the best, are Christians who not only have faith in Jesus, but who observe the law of Moses. And Paul responds to this false teaching with passion and vigor, and that's putting it mildly, because Paul understands that not only is this a false gospel, but this false gospel will lead people to hell and will destroy the unity of God's people. And so God opposes the Judaizers through the preaching and teaching of the apostles. So external opposition, internal opposition, God's people triumph over them both. A great way to look at this idea of external and internal opposition is in the story of the Apostle Paul. The first 12 chapters of the book of Acts, Peter is the main human character, but from chapter 13 through the end of the book, chapter 28, Paul takes center stage. And we see Paul suffer immensely for the sake of the gospel. He's opposed in Antioch. He's stoned and left for dead at Lystra. He's beaten and imprisoned in the city of Philippi. He's nearly lynched in the city of Ephesus. He's put in prison for two years. He's shipwrecked. He's bitten by snakes. And we know from Paul's other letters that we only have just a small percentage of his sufferings recorded for us in Acts. Paul actually suffered a great deal more than this. And yet, the last word of the book of Acts is unhindered. 
Despite all that Paul has faced over 30 decades of ministry, he is still proclaiming the gospel, and people are still hearing about Jesus, the Messiah, and people are still trusting in him. Acts 28, 31, Paul has made it to the city of Rome, and it says that he is proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. I want to look at one particular story that I just mentioned, because I think this this has so much to say to us about how God can triumph, not just despite of our suffering, but through and because of our suffering. When Paul reaches the city of Philippi, this is going to be the first city in Europe where the gospel is proclaimed, he is put in prison and beaten. And when he's put in prison, he's put under the care of a Roman jailer. And Paul and his partner Silas are put in prison, and the jailer is told to not harm them. And yet it says the jailer puts them in stocks. And this is where your hands and your ankles would be tied together is an extremely painful position. It's basically a form of torture. And yet Paul and Silas spend the night singing praises to God. And that night, God sends an earthquake to hit the jail in Philippi. All the jail doors fly open, and the jailer, assuming the worst, assuming that everyone has escaped and therefore he is going to have to suffer their penalty, he draws his sword to kill himself. And Paul calls out and says, hey, we're still here. Don't kill yourself. And the man runs in, throws himself at Paul and Silas' feet and says, tell me what I have to do to be saved. This man just beat Paul and Silas. He tortured them. And yet he spent all night listening to them sing praises to their God. And when they had an opportunity to escape, which would have condemned him, the guy who just tortured them, they stayed. And he says, I want in. I want to know this Jesus that you're singing about. I want to know this Jesus because I want to be changed like you have been changed. When Christians suffer for the sake of Jesus, the gospel triumphs. We give such a powerful testimony to the truth and power of our risen Lord when we're willing to suffer in his name. Luke wants us to know that opposition, suffering, and hardship provide opportunities for further ministry, just like we just talked about in the story of the Philippian jailer. Luke wants us to know that God's purposes cannot be defeated by opposition. Even by internal opposition, even by the sin of his people, God will deal with his people, he will discipline his people, but he will not allow his purposes to be derailed even by his own people. But Luke also wants us to know something. He wants us to know that the triumph of God does not negate our suffering. The book of Acts is not a call for Christians to keep a stiff upper lip. It's not a call for us to ignore our pain and suffering. We are allowed to cry out to God. We are allowed to ask him, why, Lord, and how long, O Lord? Suffering for the gospel can be and should be, in the end, a joyful thing, a thing that we embrace, suffering for the sake of the name of Jesus. We want to be like the Apostle Paul, who counted all things as lost for the joy of knowing Christ. But it doesn't mean that it didn't hurt when he got whipped. It doesn't mean that it didn't break his heart when he saw his own people reject the gospel. We can rejoice in our sufferings. We can have hope, knowing that the gospel will advance the kingdom of God has triumphed, is triumphing, and will triumph, but it doesn't mean that we're not allowed to weep and cry out. We can do both. We can rejoice, and we can weep, and we can rejoice through our tears. So friends, the next time we come together, Lord willing, we will wrap up our study of the book of Acts and wrap up our first season of the Bible Lab by looking at the ideal for the church in every age. But for now, take up and read. God bless. 